Hello, my name is Angel Mel. I am the presenter of the Boomtown podcast series. In this episode, we explore the subject of connection through the title of how to create a truly authentic connections to enhance well-being. This is done by community-led connection. It is the lifeblood for festivals. It's fundamental to our well-being and lessons can be learned from ancient teachings and ceremonies to connect to ourselves and to others. Today in this podcast, I am joined by Matt McCartney and Lack, the co-founder of Boomtown Fair. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about today and some really interesting concepts as we explore these different aspects of what connection means. So my first question for you, Mac, is understanding connection often starts with community and also with the self, how we connect with our own identity, narrative and our place in the world. How can we understand and then build upon these qualities? Right, well, thanks, Mel. <laughs> I've got a lot there. <laughs> Quite a lot there, yes. <laughs> Let me just say this, you know, where does connection begin? Um, you know, I would say it begins with the sun rising. It begins with uh, rain falling onto ground. It begins with the spring, as we are right now in, in, in the early stages of it begins with buds forming and leaves held underneath, about to explode their beauty into our world. So connection is the very essence of nature, of life, of us. The, um, the issue seems to me for, <clears throat> for us, for humanity, in the world in which we find ourselves now, is that we have lost consciousness of this, we've lost awareness of it. it, it it's still there, we have it. We, we cannot, in fact, sever that cord, thank goodness. It, it is, it is uh, otherwise we would, uh, I don't know, we would, I was going to say we would die or we would disappear, but actually still we'd still be composted back into the whole cycle <laughs> of life, so I don't yeah. know. We, we, Fertilizer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the issue is how do we consciously reconnect to the truth of the situation we're in, that we are part of life, that we belong here, that, that, that we can refind ourselves again and, what that, and explore what that actually means, and then that we can find each other and be in relationship with each other, in relationship with all other forms of life, and then we come together as a larger community in the sense of the true sense of what that actually means. And I think wrapped into that and held in all of that is, is happiness, is fulfillment, is the safe place for our children, is all the loveliness of what it potentially can mean to be alive in this world for a few years um, until such time as our turn is finished and it's somebody else's. It's a really good, good answer in, in terms of where we find ourselves post-pandemic, where we've been completely and utterly disconnected for two whole years, solitary confinement pretty much. There's a lot of rebuilding to be done. People may be relearning how to reconnect with each other. 
What's some of the simplest ways that we can do that? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I would just say, first of all, it's a not, a, not in my view, <clears throat> I hope that it's not that we want to reconnect to where we were before. Oh, no. No. Because the pandemic creates the opportunity for us to reflect on how we've been living and, and it, how we brought ourselves forward and how we, all these things, and gives us the opportunity to change some of those things. So if we could, coming out of that two-year period now, initiate conversations that are different conversations, how we could bring ourselves more bravely forward into these times and look up and see what is happening around us and recognize that we're standing at one of the most pivotal um, and in, in, crucially important times in our uh, human history, certainly, and indeed wider, all other species, and say, ask those questions, you know, how can we redefine almost the purpose of our society and how we come together and how we live and express ourselves over these coming few years. Because I think there is a, there's a window of opportunity. I mean, lost in the, in the appalling, tragic circumstances of what's happening in the Ukraine at the moment, but almost lost in that, drowned out was the IPCC's uh, latest uh, report, where really they're saying the window of opportunity now to manage with the climate crisis is rapidly closing. And, and I think that if we, you toured the, the coffee bars, as it were, Bristol or wherever else, I doubt you'd even hear the topic yeah. mentioned. And so it's like we're, we're just, we're blindly, and we have our ears stuffed with cotton wool, as it were, We've, our noses are clipped, our mouths are sewn, you know, there is, we're just walking towards something in a sense that the people of Ukraine are actually experiencing right now. Yeah. Some kind of confrontation with the reality of what our um, lack of attention has brought us to. Because it's almost like it's a different kind of war. <laughs> it's a different kind of war, but because it's slow acting, we're talking about however many years in the future. It's like, well, no, 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 that's, that's the next generation's problem. That's the next generation's problem. Yes. You know, we need to deal with the conflict of, you know, what's happening now. And it's difficult, I think, for people to see the two in the same way. Yes. That, that, that equally is important, equally is as, as vital and needs some form of action. So in, that, in relation to that, and going back to connection, what can it teach us about ourselves and others in terms of building a better presence and a better future? Um, you know, I, I think it's about falling. It's a, a, a going on a journey to allow ourselves to love again, is how I'd put it. And, and there is delight in that, isn't there? Mm. And, and also anybody who has ever loved 
knows that at a certain point on that journey, fear presents itself because you know that you are now infinitely more vulnerable than you were before. Because suddenly you have opened your heart, you have you've opened yourself, you've made yourself available, everything is presented, it's out there in front, and you could be hurt or wounded very easily. And indeed, I would say, inevitably will be. Because at some point you have to say goodbye. You know, either, either somebody one day turns around, if it's another human being, turns around to you and says, you know, I'm, I'm withdrawing my love because I'm heading off in a different direction. Uh, or the, that love sustains, but still one, one will die and then we'll have to deal with loneliness and bereavement and all those things. And also at a larger level, one day our lives will finish and we will be confronted with the question of how did I use the time that I've been given? And, and so, so this journey really of saying, uh, really what you just said, Mel, I think, of I am here and I am now and there are things that need to be attended to food on the table, money that needs to be earned, bills that have to be paid, all this kind of stuff. But also, um, I am part of the um, collective journey of creating the lives that we want. So dare I have a real conversation with you in this podcast and speak to you as truthfully as I can possibly can. You know, dare I put aside any thought of how it might be received by those who may listen to this podcast. But again, just at, at least give myself the privilege of knowing that when I finish this, that I will have attempted at least, however poorly or well I might have done it, expressed myself as I truly believe and feel. If we could, if we, every time we meet, every small encounter, <clears throat> I love this, sort of idea of the spirituality of the ordinary. You know, it, it, it feels to me that we have uh, lost sight of all these small, simple things, like how do we order our food in the restaurant or cafe that we go to? The manner in which we meet each other in those small personal ways as we cross roads and go to shops, drop our kids off at school, whatever it is we happen to do. Uh, who we are when no one's watching. As a speaker, you know, I find that really, really important uh, question. Because you can speak all kinds of wonderful things, but when the lights go down and you step out onto the street, who is that person now when no one's... Who is that person when they're at home and the door closes and no one can hear, you know? So there are matters that need to be attended to. And, and it's a joyful journey it's likely to have some measure of pain. It ultimately will, it will bring m many, many challenges, uh, but along the way, all the way along also, are uh, everything that actually makes a person happy, fulfilled, joyful, and with a sense of moving with meaning and purpose. Oh, sorry, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's so nice to have these conversations and be open about this journey that we are 
all on. And I'm thinking about how you two met. Because it sounds like you've been on a journey together and, and Mac, you've mentored Lack. So how did you meet? I'm going to get back to you, Lack. Yeah, I can, I can touch on that really. Um, so in the uh, August of 2019, um, uh, during the festival, um, I was dealing with a hurricane, um, so being traumatised by that. Um, uh, but Mac was speaking uh, in, in uh, Ancient Futures, which was one of the um, the, the speakers' tents. Um, and um, my wife, Rach, uh, happened to see Mac talk um, and came in, in straight away afterwards said, wow, I've just seen this incredible talk that I think you'd really resonate with. Um, and uh, I really think you should, um, you should should look into it more and at the time I was thinking I'm quite busy at the moment actually. Just dealing with a hurricane at the moment but um, uh, but anyway um, she the, after the festival she said look no you really I really do think you should and so I I, I went online and I found um, a couple of your TED talks Mark and uh, instantly resonated and really kind of just yeah was quite amazed really um, uh, by by your messages there, really, in your teachings, and I, I reached out to Mac, and um, and then we we hooked up, and and then uh, when COVID came in, and the festival had a bit of space to reflect on 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 its ethos and its values, we uh, took some time as a kind of leadership team um, to go down and visit Mac's um, place uh, place called Embercombe down in Devon. Um, and we spent a couple of days with Mac just really, really helping to understand what our values as a company were, um, which was interesting because really we, we kind of knew them anyway, really. And it actually became quite clear um, that it was really essentially about respecting ourselves, each other and the planet. Um, and it sounds really kind of simple now because it's just it's now swimming through every single thing we do. But at the time, it was it was a profound uh, realization. Really, that's that's what we need. That needs to underpin every single part of the festival. And um, and with Max guidance, uh, we managed to to embed those into the fabric of the event. And uh, and now that's what the the new beginnings and the birth of the the new festival experience, the chapter one is um, is all very much aligned with those values. So. And then and then since then, really, I've been uh, working with Mac on um, on a on a mentorship basis, on one to ones and on group sessions. But also, we've um, uh, spent some time um, down in Devon, living in. Uh, off grid in nature, um, sleeping outside, in uh, and really helping to understand and reconnect back to the land in a way that I never imagined was even a thing. Really, actually being being completely present with land instead of with nature and moving, swaying with the with with the insects and the um, the plants and uh, and the trees and the wind and uh, yeah, just kind of completely blew me away and understanding. I, I learned 
you know, I learned to bird, you know, to, to understand birdsong and um, only in a small way, but it's just the seeds are growing really and that connection with birds and yeah, just really was amazing and, and now it just helped me ground in a way that, um, uh, and come back into myself in a way that I just, I never quite imagined was possible, so. It was a really valuable experience as well, especially, again, we've been talking a lot about the past two years and what that has meant to individuals and for people like yourselves who are wanting to change the status quo, that there is another way of doing things and how you're using your platform with Boontan to try and, and impart and share some of this wisdom and knowledge. And for you, Mac, um, I know you've worked with um, elders in teaching, uh, ancient teachings and wisdom. I'm just wondering if you could just sort of share a little bit about your experience of, of what you've learned in relation to working with Lack. Mm. <coughs> I mean, I, <coughs> so I, I was born in 1949. Okay, so every, every time I say that, it's kind of like, I think it was the first time a number of years ago, somebody said, what? Yeah, no, I suddenly get this consciousness of, oh, that is actually really quite a long time ago. It's, you know, 49. Anyway, um, more than half a century ago, more than half a century ago, our family sat round the dining table with a, a conversation going on about what we were doing to our earth, what we were doing to each other, what we were doing to fresh water, what we were doing to the seas, what we were doing to the forests, what we were doing to air, all these things were happening. And those things were, were the things that I most deeply loved. I'd, I'd fallen in love. I, I believe I'd fell into the arms of our mother earth. And she, she held me, so this little child who was fortunate enough to have parents who, who sort of um, encouraged me into that place, along with my two brothers. Then comes the confrontation as we get older, uh, happened to me, of meeting the world uh, as it was outside of the safe keeping of my family home. And that was a harsh encounter. And I began to lose... Um, lose faith really in the various power structures that were around me, the, the, um, whether that was religious and educational and whatever else. And then of course I move into my teens and now we have the whole flower power movement uh, beginning and uh, the Isle of Wight festival, the first Glastonbury festival and the whole sudden surge of young people coming together dreaming of a better future and you've got Bob Dylan's playing and, 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 and all of these iconic musicians my first concert I saw Jimi Hendrix playing <gasps> at Woburn Abbey you know I danced multiple times later um, with um, uh, gosh oh, the name's gone out of my mind now it'll come back anyway drenched in that extraordinary feeling of we don't. We could live in a different way. Mm. We could do this in a far better way. And then the collapse of that dream, because it had no legs. In the end, it was a dream. It was beautiful, and many good things 
was sown at that time, but the larger dream uh, collapsed and fell apart. But he didn't die. That's really exciting to me. So now we're now. And I think when I, when I met Lack and realized what he's doing with, with the whole Boomtown team, that what, they're, what they have created and the, and the enormous number of people that are attracted to that fire. And, and when I realized uh, and recognized, I think, the, the longing in Lack and the team, that this should be both a wonderful celebratory dance, you know, a, a massive party, the best party, really, you know, with sort of everything that one associates with, with the joy, huge, uninhibited, joyful expression of that, together with something that says, um, we, we need to step towards and journey towards um, living, hosting that party, living that party, being in that party in a way that demonstrates our love and respect for all of society, all of life, all of society, everything. And that we could be a force for positive change in the world. And I, I don't mean just lack in the team, but I mean the entire Boomtown community, should it choose to. Now, now they're, they're, you know, because <clears throat> in my view at this time, the greatest danger we face at this time is not actually climate change or, or, or the climate crisis or any of these other things. It's the passivity oh my of millions and millions of good people who are standing on the edges, watching, observing, sympathizing, make, doing small little things, but nowhere near the full potential of what they're capable of doing. And I just want to run back to something because within the community of people that Lack is a part of that I'm, that I'm working with, and I consider really to be a community of friends, you know, we're, we're all in there offering what we can. Um, one person uh, just recently wrote to the group saying that, you know, they'd achieved these number of different things recently and they put it out there into the group and got, I think, not a single response from the group. And this triggered really for, for this person uh, a memory and felt experience that this is how it's always been in their life and that they had hoped that within this circle it would be different. And, and when they shared this with me in a one-to-one, -one, I said, so what are you going to do? And they said, well, um, I'll just sit back, you know, bite my lip and um, accept that this group's no different from any other, but it's still bringing me some good things. And I said, and I said you know, so does that feel good enough? You know? And there was a silence. And they said, well, why would you not share with the group, not as an attack on the group or anything, but just share with the group what happened and how this has impacted you? And, and, and ask the question, is, is this who we are? Could it be any different? And, you know, she backed away and, and said, well, no, I don't think I want to do that. And I said, well, if you don't, I will. 
So, and if I do it, then, you know, it, 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 I will have stolen from you the most wonderful opportunity for you to stand and speak truthfully to this group with compassion, all the rest of it. So she did. And on my way here on the train, I saw Lack's message in response to her, to that. And most of all the other people are writing in. And it will become one of the main learning for the group. And we will be all the better and all the richer for it. So for me, now with Boomtown, you know, a move is made by the leadership team. A shift in direction. Uh, various various sort of um, commitments will be made. The story goes out to the Boomtown community. Um, fears that this might be mean that it's suddenly going to become super serious and, and where's the party bit, you know. Hopefully will be dissipated because the parties will always be there. It must be. That's what this coming spring is. Because we're sat here at the beginning of uh, March and 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 you know, under our feet, the ground is surging as everything is beginning to, so new life is beginning to come back into this part of our earth. Well, life is, that is the big party and Boomtown will reflect that. Ultimately, in the end, it's like, yes, we need, we need to rediscover ourselves as the ancient people that we are living in these contemporary times standing in a huge circle, stamping on the ground, the beating of the drums, raising our voices to the skies and announcing that we will not tolerate anything other than a new and beautiful beginning of a way that we as human beings could live on this earth. And that for me is, 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 is the potential for the Boomtown Festival. Absolutely. In terms of, we were talking before, Again, got to refer to sort of post-pandemic and, and obviously what's going on on the planet now with Ukraine and Russia. For those <clears throat> people who have kind of come of age, old enough to come to Boomtown, 18, you know, plus those young people that maybe not have come to a festival before are going to be engaging in this podcast. And this might be a different narrative to what they're used to. And it's trying to find a way to bridge that gap and say we're not talking at you we're talking with you we're we're sharing and I'm just wondering from their point of view from their perspective I'm trying to frame this question right I guess what words of wisdom can we share with those young uh, those young adults coming through who maybe have not had this experience of what we're what boom time what yourself what we're trying to do and trying to impart on them so you've got the party on one side, but there is a deeper level going on. Does that, does that make any kind of sense? Yeah, I could possibly touch on that really. So <clears throat> um, it was around about six or seven years ago when we we were having um, we were having all sorts of problems inside the festival, um, which were which we weren't happy with. You know, it felt that we were putting on this incredible party, this, you know, one of the most creative, you know, most impressively creative festivals in the world, really. Um, but uh, it was, it, in my mind, it was missing a deeper part of it, really. Um, and so 
when we when we looked deeper and we realised what you know what else it it could be, it was a really big, exciting kind of um, moment for us all actually to think you know we can have this wild party you know in a way you know big celebration we can get dressed up and you know in a way that you know tribal communities do all around the world really you know big gatherings and you know in, in ceremonies and festivals and um but we can do it um with respect and in, and um etiquette uh, and that's something mac sort of you know has been teaching me really but this this respect uh for ourselves and each other and the planet at the same time and it's and it's not it's not much but it's it's if, if that underpins everything you know that's the framework of what we're achieving there then everything can build from that point and we can not only have this incredible uh celebration we can meet all these amazing new friends and and um and dance and dance and dance you know and uh but we can come away feeling inspired and um uh and and inspired in in ways you know in in new ways you know and i love this idea of um again in the in the indigenous communities that i've been that i've uh, ended up kind of working with um this passing of knowledge down from the older generations and um and working their way down uh so that and and then working its way up as well you know and, and everyone is kind of learning from everyone um mm. Is a, is a fundamental part of any festival experience, really. But that you know that has been lost to a certain extent. Um, now's the time to sort of reignite that, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And teaching people how to reconnect again—that's what this whole, you know, this whole podcast is. Uh, so this episode is about is about reconnection and just getting to a space where. I know that um, last year I went to uh, the solstice up at Glastonbury Festival and it was epic. It was unbelievable. You know, there's um, tribal drums on the side of the tour, actually inside the tour. People chanting and, and singing and just making sounds with their voices and it was echoing in the strobe light. But something happens. I'm sure that something happens to the molecular changes in your body. Something changes when you allow yourself to connect with nature around you, with the people around you, that with the, the music. And as you said, like you're just trying to underpin this teaching with it. So you, you've got something else. It's like this whole package. Mm. It's not just what you see on your phone or you see on the news, there's this whole other thing, you know, going on. It's pretty spectacular. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really excited. You know, just add to this, Mel, you know, um, it seems to me anyway that o over the however many decades it is now, we have, we've pushed our uh, elder people to the periphery mm. and said, you know, you, you, Unless you're an economic, you have some economic value, so to speak, we have no interest in you because that's the only thing that matters anyway. Uh, so we, we push you over there. And, uh, and actually, it seems to me that uh, our older people have colluded with that. I don't think they've resisted too much. My generation have done pretty well. You know, if, if you were going to do well, you've done well, as it were. Pro whether it's property or whatever else. So 
So I, I feel there's, um, if, if our elder generation are to earn the respect of the younger generation, then they have to step forward. And, and it's not, and, and respect is not something that's just given because you're old, it's given because you, you know, something rather more valuable as it were than the number of years you happen to have. Our younger people, you know, need, you know, are, uh, it is natural and normal and should happen that they uh, shake the elder's staff, as it were, <laughs> and say, you know, are you, are you actually present? Are you, are you here? Are you with us? You know, or, or have you ossified into some kind of stiff, brittle, you know, right and wrong sort of thing? So there is a huge value to the elders of the young people rattling them somewhat and demanding their attention. And then I would say the elders have something valuable to give to the young people because they don't stand in authority to those young people. They stand alongside them. And, and, and everybody, if, with half, you know, given the good fortune of, of um, that we, we all hope for, will be both young and old in their lives, as it were. And actually the young, the young period doesn't last very long at all. You know, you, you sort of, I've even noticed as somebody saying, you know, speaking at some point about as a young person, I said, well, just hold on a second. I remember you speaking as a young person 10 years ago. You know, <laughs> Do you reckon the young people still think you're yeah. one of them? <laughs> I'm sorry, you've actually joined my club. Yeah. You know, you're not young anymore. You know? And, and it's brief. Mm. So in the end, about who, who we are as human beings, how we can bring ourselves forward, forward as a young person mm. and how we can um, capitalise on that enormous energy and, and, mm. and optimism and, and power that a young person holds. And then how, as an older person, we can stand with the depth of experience and all the mistakes, let alone the successes, and, and the scars that we carry and not give advice so much as offer companionship, mm. offer, um, um, you know, reflections and be with. And that is about connection. The whole thing in that sense is then about connection. Mm. But we also need to, in my feeling, is we constantly need to remind ourselves that we live within a broader spectrum of life. So when Lack mentioned, you know, sitting there and, and beginning to recognizing these, the families of birds that are there and, and what those birds can teach us and how they have a, a, a sort of a vitally important place in the whole ecosystem of everything, you know, and, and the joy that they bring. The story that I tell Zach's group of, you know, Every morning when I was down at my ca uh, cabin at Embercombe, where I, where I work, the recognition that the birds that I was feeding were becoming more and more used to my presence. And a particular robin was coming very close. So one day I just start holding my hand out with the food on it, and one day the robin lands on my hand. And the robin eats that food from my hand. And I'm going through all these emotions because I'm feeling I am giving food to this little bird. But who is the real, true beneficiary here? It's me. 
because I feel so privileged to be trusted sufficiently for this little creature to come and put itself in, in, in make itself vulnerable to take food. So then my little boy witnesses this. And he wants, the, will the bird eat from my hand? I said, yes, if you can be still enough. And if you can, you can send out, as it were, your love to that little bird, maybe the little bird will. And so sure enough, he was three years old. And after several weeks of trying to be still enough, which was really hard, <laughs> his yeah. tiny little pudgy hand is held out and the robin lands on it and he explodes with joy at feeling the companionship with this wild creature that has no need to, to do this. So it's, the fiesta is far bigger than we ever imagined. It's far bigger in ultimately than Boomtown. It's far bigger than my life, your lives, you know. It is our natural way of living that we have to find our way back to. Absolutely, you know, and that's and what better way to to start that process with, with a massive festival and in the surroundings as well. The the location, you know, it, it's 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 farmland, or is it? And it's but it's an area of outstanding natural beauty as well. Mm. So just to be able to have that experience within you know within nature. It's a really, you know, it's a really uh, iconic landmark. Really, you know, it's a, it's an old glacier site, um, the the main bowl, um, and yeah, there's some really interesting stories in, you know, in history about what's happened in in that in that uh, particularly the bowl uh, setting there. But I, I mean, I'm so incredibly excited about this rebirth of Boomtown and. You know, a lot of the audience uh, have been asking us about the kind of storyline and how that would develop. And, um, and we've decided to focus on, on just the most basic kind of form of connection, really, of just coming back together uh, as, a, as a gathering. Gatherings have taken place for forever, you know, and uh, just coming together... Um, learning, uh, sharing stories, um, connecting with people you wouldn't necessarily connect with, um, listening to, to people as well, in, in kind of deeply listening as well. You know, I, I always, I've been learning a lot recently about, you know, um, just when you, you know, having conversations with people, but, you know, really actually truly asking, you know, how, how are you? You know, I'd, you know, because it's so easy to say, you know, I've got, yeah, I'm feeling a bit, oh, I'm quite hungry at the moment. Um, you know, <laughs> no, no, I want to, you know, deeply, you know, how are you? And, and I, you know, and sit there and really listen to them at a deeper level. And that, that true authentic connection is, um, is so powerful, really. You know, and then we, the way that we look at the festival is, is inspired by, by, you know, ceremonies, again, that have happened for thousands of years, you know, that sort of coming together and learning and sharing um, knowledge and, uh, and then uh, and then growing together and, and then celebrating as well, you know, the fact that we're all here and, and this beautiful life. Um, so yeah, the, the, the natural beauty of, um, of the Matterley estate really does enhance mm. that magic as well. Um, you know, and there is nothing more, 
in my mind, you know, there's the magic there when you're running through those gates. You know, you've been waiting this, you know, they, people have been waiting three years to, yes. to enter those gates now. And you run in, you find your camping spot and you, you meet, the first thing you do is you meet your neighbours because they're right, we're going to be, you know, we're on this together, aren't we guys, you know, for, mm. for five days, you know, so you're just, you know, and you're sharing stories, I've come from here, I've come from here, and and um, and you go on that journey together and uh, through that experience of a festival. Um, it's the making of the festival tribes. <laughs> yeah, there's, so there's one, one quick question actually that sprung to mind, which I'd quite like to, uh, um, to pass over to you, Mac, really, was the, there's going to be a lot of um, 18 to 25 year olds that are going to be listening to this podcast, really. Um, mm. And and I think it just, whilst you're here, it'd be quite good to touch on the, there's a lot of responsibilities for those, you know, there's a lot of pressure in, yeah. in those early ages. Um, and uh, you told me a story a while back around, around that pressure and what that looks like as well um, and uh, I wonder if you could share that story if you know the story I mean. I'm trying to remember that story. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a hint. About, about the kind of retirement, you know, the retirement of the... Oh, um, from the Tuhoi Maori. Yeah. Mm, yeah. The, um, so I was visiting New Zealand a few years ago uh, and Australia, where I was speaking at the Childhood Summit. And I went to New Zealand and I was going to different festivals and speaking. I spoke at the WOMAD, uh, in, which was the day after the terrorist attack and the, in Christchurch and the killing of um, people there. And Jacinda Ardern, the, the Prime Minister, responding with this amazing um, sort of welcoming to, to the Muslim people uh, in New Zealand to... to do not worry, you know, we, we stand alongside you, you know, we will not now um, victimise you and somehow identify you as the enemy. And all these things was happening. Any country that I visit, if I have the opportunity, I like to visit the original peoples, the, the, the indigenous peoples, to, to pay my respect, really, and thank them for the privilege of, of visiting this, this country of theirs. And so I made some inquiries about visiting the, uh, uh, one of the Maori um, tribal tribes. And, and as it happens, the, the, the tribe that I got connected with was the Tuhoi, who have the reputation of being the most sort of um, uh, difficult uh, it, from, from a sort of, you know, establishment point of view, belligerent even, uh, ferociously independent. Uh, and and generally not particularly receptive to, to, to necessarily people like me who might be arriving. So I, I wrote a letter to them saying, I would love to come and visit you. And so I got a letter back saying, uh-huh, so um, what are you going to come and what are, you, what are you going to come to do? Are you going to teach us something? <laughs> I could just feel it. So I wrote back, I said, I have, you know, in no way have I in mind the, the, the arrogance, if you like, that I might teach you something. But I would love to come and just say, uh, I'm honoured to visit your land. 
And should you have anything that you would like to share with me, I would receive it with open arms. And I have a gift that I'd like to bring. So then a slightly more mollified message came back. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> we'll open the gates, you know. But I was still told that they might meet me with something like the whacker and, 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 and they might be a confrontational sort of like, who are you, you know, thing. So I didn't know. Meanwhile, back in Devon, we were asking, what shall we bring these people? And came up with the idea of a, a flute. We would make a flute made from the wood from Dartmoor and of, uh, we'd use you that uh, Nigel Shaw, who makes these wooden flutes, which is uh, on a design from a um, Native American uh, design. And why a flute? Because that, is that, that way that the Maoris uh, greet each other when forehead to forehead is pressed and they exchange breath, which of course, in the, this was pre-coronavirus, <laughs> but exchange breath. And so the flute was saying, here is the breath of our people to your people in respectful relationship. And the meeting went really, really well. At one point I asked the question, I said, do you have, is the concept of retirement current in your society? Do, do people retire? And there was a lot of laughter from, from their side. And they said, yes, yes, we do, we do. But it's rather different from yours. He said, we retire our young people <laughs> from the age of something between 16, 17 to sort of somewhere late 20s because it's hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> he said, it's utterly hopeless. He said, they're young people for fuck's sake. He said, yeah. they have to be young yeah. and they have to do what they have to do. Yeah. And do any of you remember like what it was like when the, you know, your bodies, you're pouring through your bodies as sort of all the sort of, sort of, you know, uh, stuff that makes you just, you know, go crazy with the exuberance of being alive, however that might manifest. And we say this is part of nature. This is how things are meant to be. But when you come back, let's say sometime late 20s, early 30 sometime, we say to you, now you join the circle in the sense of you take your position, you have responsibilities, and we want to know what kind of human being you are. And we demand of you now that you be in service. And it's not that really when the young are doing their exuberant thing that they are absolved from all of that. It's just that, 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 that it is such a tumultuous time in which we begin to get some idea of who it is that we are, actually are. And some idea of the, of the gifts and creative expression that we can bring to life. But it's around that later stage we say, and now we harness that and we expect you to give and then in your 40s 50s we say now ramp it up <laughs> now turn up the volume 
Mm. Now we expect you to be really in gear, giving and giving and giving. Now you're in your 70s and we say you should be almost airborne. <laughs> you, sh you should be piling in the full weight of everything that you have. And should you make it to your 80s or 90s, then we will expect the most that we've ever expected of you all your entire life. You are not let off the hook. You are absolutely central in the role that you perform in our society. And your entire orientation is towards the greater good of the, of the people and of the entire family of life. And I, I, we, we were having such a good time at this stage and I was just thinking, well, yeah, that's how it should be because yeah. it's such a depressing story to offer to people mm. as they get older is that you're becoming irrelevant. Yeah. And it's also, for our young people, we need to say, we, let, we want to celebrate you being the age you are and as you are. But we also, we also, we want you to be who you are and we also want you to ask yourself, who are you becoming? And how will we, most importantly, how will we observe this in the way that you act, behave, live? So I would say a measure of this would be, uh, our ch you know, how are, how are the children at Boomtown? You know, whose children are they? Are they only their own particular parents' children or are they everybody's children? If, if you came across a child that was lost and crying, would you, would you take time out from whatever lovely, you know, fun thing that you're doing to make sure that that child is safe? If you saw a person in difficulty or in trouble, would you take the time to make sure that they're okay? You know, or, or are your, is your own demand just to have a good time supersede everything else around you? As, you? as you begin to move towards the end and you're going to leave, what will you leave behind you? Will, will, will you have understood that you have a duty to this land, to this festival, to the whole community of everything we're trying to build, that you do not leave a, a, a pile of crap behind you, that, you, that you clear up your own mess, because that is the ancient and tribal way in which you, you deal with your own thing. And you also are generous enough to help others who have difficulty with theirs. And in the end, if those fields, those, that hillside, that beautiful place, if we could imagine as a result of the festival, it's now shining more brightly rather than it's become briefly a landfill type um, that a bunch of other people are going to have to clear up. It will show the impacts of such a large number of people. But the earth is ultimately forgiving and I think you know, it's, that's all cool. And there will be some measure of disturbance. But in the end, we, all of us, it's a little bit like the way we live our lives. We need to be able to turn, out, turn around, look, look back down the trail that we've made and have some sense of pride mm. that we walked well during the time we had. Mm.
I'm lovely. almost finished. That's lovely. That's <laughs> <laughs> so lovely. And uh, yeah, you've answered a couple of my questions in there. I think I've got about two more. This next one is for you, Lack. Um, how does Boomtown have an impact on its community? And what responsibilities, if any, do event organisers and music artists have on improving connection in our society? Yeah, well, I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, Boomtown is, is one of the, the biggest uh, events for young people in the country. And um, as people come from, I mean, all over the world, really, uh, and certainly, you know, every single possible town and city in the country there seems to be a, a group of people that come to to the festival um which is amazing really and and we we make a point where we uh showcase or we host every different style of of genre and music we possibly can um which is a quite a key i suppose it's it it's been interesting because you will have all these different i mean these different uh, views on music culture coming in, coming into the space, um, and connecting in way it, together in in a situation that they wouldn't normally possibly connect. Actually, <clears throat> so I think that that's really interesting. You know, I always tell the story that I, I love where you know I would be walking past the um, the the house. Well, there would be an audience walking past, say the. Um, uh, in fact, we we actually did this in the layout purposefully. We put the heavy metal stage mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, at, um, on the route to one of the big um, sort of house techno stages, um, just to see because there's this whole there was this whole perspective of uh, you know when we launched it we were going to be bringing in heavy metal into the um, or heavy music in that way into the festival and people are like, oh my god it's going to be bringing all of this sort of you know, it was fears, different types of people, you know, and obviously we knew the, the heavy metal community were really like the opposite to that, actually, you know, they, they really are. It's just, it's just the style of music you expect them to be, you know, I don't know, um, but they're not at all. So anyway, it was amazing because all of these, uh, these, these, these music fans for, for house and tech music were walking past this, the heavy metal stage and being like, it's actually quite good, actually. I'm going gonna, gonna to pop in there. And then all of a sudden they're kind of all meeting and everyone's meeting and, You've got all of this fusion, rich fusion of the, all these different subcultures um, that all have really come together for the re same reason, really, to, to find connection, you know, and, um, and celebrate. Uh, so I think Boomtown does that in a, in, a really, in a really great way. And that's something that we've really been um, actively kind of, it's been a core part of our identity from day one, really. Um, any new subgenre, someone will phone up and say, I've got this brand new speed version of psychedelic trance and like okay cool well, let's let's build a let's build a let's build a whole stage on that there we go that's that's that ticked you know and and i love that i really love that that's a good good answer thank you and i think the last question which i will offer out to both of you but i'll start with you first mac what ways can connection improve our spiritual mental and physical well-being well every way <laughs> Without exception, mm. uh, you know, without it, uh, we we have a we have a a, re a really rather frightening future, I would say. 
So, so it's not, I think, it seems as if we're coming to a point where there's not really much option, you know. We have to, choose, we have to make some choices. We choose life or we choose to self-harm. And we are currently a self-harming society, I would say. And because it's not for lack of information that we're not doing the right thing. We've had information endlessly. We've had information. But we've, the worst assaults on our soil, our water, our seas have happened in the last 30 years. That's, that's a couple of decades at least, if not more, since we first signalled the issue. The gap between the rich and poor gets bigger and bigger. Uh, mental health and, and issues of such kind uh, ramp up. Uh, all kinds of issues of, of, uh, that, that are so deeply harmful to young people are ramping up and ramping up. The old people, as I said, we've locked, we're locking away, as it were, in some kind of gilded cage where they can just get older and go on cruises and then die, as it were. It's a business model, really. So, so we have to make a choice, and, and that choice, I, I hope and pray, really, will be a choice for our children's future. And not just human children, but the, the children of the young of all kind, whether plant, animal, everything. Because it's not, it's not impossible, it's not so difficult. If we could step away from such an entirely egocentric um, and uh, sort of profoundly ignorant way of perceiving the world and understand that we are connected to each other, to everything. And it, 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 is, it, is, it, is, it is the very framework around which life is built. And we are asked to name, to, to, to raise, bring our voice forward and, and announce where, how we will contribute to this, this situation that we're in now, these, these coming years. And we don't have to say, I'm going to be part of the solution. We can say, I'll be part of the dissolution. We can. That's, that's the freedom that life gives us. We can say, as a species, we can say, we think our time's done. We'll sign off. You know, we can. It's, that's what's so extraordinary about it to me. But if I can just bring it to what's happening right now in Ukraine, I mean, I have, they are, they've got, you know, thousands of mostly women and children pouring into the country. And, and the Polish people are opening their doors and bringing them into their homes and feeding them and caring them. It, it seems like the most wonderful attributes of human nature tend to happen when things become so severe and so ugly that we find this, this extraordinary redeeming part of our nature. It's such a shame that it has to get to that point. But perhaps the same is possible for us right now in the wider context of this coming decade or so, that we could find it in ourselves to see and understand that uh, we have a duty of care. 
to ourselves, of course, but we've always known that. To each other, which we are sometimes more or less generous about. To all other living, breathing beings on this earth, whether plant or animal, that we are related to. And why the uh, old dialects um, for some of the Native American tribes have no word for animal. Have no word for animal because we are all family. We have to find our way back towards that. If we can, this will be one of the most uplifting, extraordinary, amazing periods of human history ever, if not the one, because we will have chosen um, a future brimming with life, vitality, exuberance, love and care. And then a whole entire new chapter begins. And that's what I'm giving my time to. That's what I believe the Boomtown leadership team is giving its time to. That's what we need. The young people are going to come to Boomtown. I hope and pray that they will say, we're going to ride with this message. And who's going to stop us? Amazing. Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I had had one quick question. just the word spiritual, actually, Mac, is just, it's a word that has been uh, banded around and taken off into different, different levels, you know, and, and sometimes the word, just the word spiritual can be, uh, can switch people off, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and I just wonder what your, your view of the word spiritual would mean. From yeah. Yeah, it was like, every, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you can't escape sort of history and things like that. And, and uh, religion will be profoundly important to many people, and religion as a word is also, for many people, pretty toxic, you know. So, that, so spiritual then emerges, as it were, and the same issue exists. But what we should ask ourselves, what is, what is spiritual, le- leading a spiritual life, mean? I think it's worth asking, what did that word mean for more ancient cultures? And the people that taught me took me out one day. Well, no, let me begin this. If I provide the fuller story, okay. So one day we're, we're, we're sat together. I've had a pretty rough day. Most days were pretty rough with these people. They, they, their teaching was rough. And, and I was, you know, suffering somewhat. Spent a lot of time crying and feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> well, we sat in this circle, and I'm breathing a sigh of relief, you know, not for that, like, you know, a bit of calm, and I try and collect myself. And one of them starts sniffing. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, what's that? Bad smell. That's a really disgusting smell. Somebody else, the other side of the circle, starts sniffing, saying, Oh, yeah, yes. Ooh, God, it makes you want to wretch. That's a really rotten smell. Suddenly, the whole group, everybody's sniffing and making yuck sounds. And I'm sat there and I'm so. (laughs) 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 I can't smell anything. (laughs) And then, very slowly, all heads turn towards me. Oh, no. (laughs) And one of them says, I know that smell. That's the smell of a believer. Mac, are you a believer? And I'm sort of 
sort of think, obviously, I've clocked believers, not a good thing in this kind of, no, 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 I'm not a believer. He said, we don't like believers. Uh, and I've got this feeling this something's coming. It's getting edgy again. And then it softens. And one of them comes behind me. He said, Mac, come out here. So I go outside and we're on this deck looking out of this huge valley, vast, vast, steep-sided valley with forests and rivers and endless wild country, the eagles, we got the whole thing there. And he puts his hands on my shoulders and his mouth very close to my ear and he just whispers, what do you see? So I'm choking back the tears again. I see, I see, I see, I see this really beautiful valley. I see forest, I see. I can see the river and the sunlight splashing off the surface of the water. I can see the waterfall. I can hear the sound of that hawk or eagle calling. I, I see and I'm just speaking. He gets me to kiss, keep speaking. What I see, what I see. And then he whispers, what you are witnessing is creation. If you were able to open your heart wide enough, you'd be on your knees weeping for the privilege of a human life. There is no need to believe in this. You could run and dive into that river. You could climb that tree. You could make love with that other beautiful human being if they're up for it. You know, you could, you, it is all there for you. What is spirit? Spirit is clean water. Spirit is the, an act of kindness given freely. It's a kiss that is offered without, without, as it were, freely given and received. Spirit is the sound of the baby crying and born and the sound of it snuffling as it's cuddled within its mother's arms and, and held to the sky as a new life. Spirit is good food for people who are hungry and water for people who are thirsty, a fire when people are cold. It is in the very nature of life is spiritual, but what is spiritual? Spiritual is simply the deeper truth of what it means to be alive on this earth. And it is all these simple things. And belief doesn't need, it's a fragile platform really. We don't need to believe, we need to experience. And we can define, when we define spirituality in these very ordinary terms, we realize that everything that we actually call ordinary is extraordinary. Like the spring that is busy visiting, beginning to visit us right now. If only we have the eyes to see, the ears to hear. So. I think we should not get too hung up over the words, but, but look at the beautiful, small, little things which bring so much meaning and joy to our lives. Very well said, couldn't say it better myself. There's just one more, one more. How can we bring more meaningful connections into our daily lives? Does this kind of like breaking it down, some of the ideas that people who have listened to this podcast are like, okay, so how do I do that? We've talked generally, but mm. maybe just some bullet point ideas. Okay. 
So a few things. All right. So I, 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 I'm not suggesting that this um, pathway is necessarily an easy one, or, or, or you know, it will be filled with challenge. So let me say first of all, um, I choose to start my day by feeding the birds outside my cabin. I do that for the birds' sake, but more truthfully, probably for my sake, because I, be, I, I feel good about beginning my day with an offering and, and the, the, the giving of something, an acknowledgement of the loveliness. As I, if I do it long enough, consistently enough, I build relationship, which is another word for connection. And I become part of that family, as it were. This helps me, I would say, live my life in a kinder, more gentler, connected way. I finish my days every night. I'm usually the last one to bed. And I do my little routine of the things I do. And the last thing I do is I open the front door and I step outside into the night. And then I look out into the night and sometimes I see the stars and the moon and I hear owls, tawny owls hooting over. I see some, a few lights and the odd light going off and the whole thing sleeping. Sometimes I can hear a fox calling. And I basically say thank you. I say thank you for another day and everything that I've received, both difficult and easy, everything that I've received and how I will then digest it and use it. And I also offer these words. I say, may I be worthy of the trust that has been shown and given me. Many of those same people, uh, indigenous people I learnt from, said for them prayer is always about gratitude. And I like that, rather than the idea that it's always about asking for something, but expressing thank you. Now then, we have the space in between our days. So, I would say, look at the company you keep and ask yourself, is this helpful? towards the life that I wish to lead. That may bring you to some very difficult questions and realizations. And you may realize that you pay a very heavy price for the friendship network that you keep. But they are, like many of our families, invested in us not changing. Because that way everybody remains feeling safe and secure. So you might realize that there are some changes needed. Take a look. For those that work at the jobs that you have and ask yourself, am I doing the work that I wish to do? If I'm not, then how could, for the period of time that I remain in the work that I'm in, how could I make the most of the circumstances I'm in while I engineer the change that I'm going to make? If that means there's going to be risk, which there probably will be, then do whatever you can to prepare for that. But in the end, ask yourself, is safety so important that I would consign myself to a life of doing work that I dislike, find harmful and 
disrespectful to me as a person. Am I prepared to do that for the whole of a life because I would rather not risk any different? In the end, there's no right or wrong. You have to make choices. Consider, listen to yourself. I think Lack earlier in, in our conversation we talked about you know, deep listening. We do need to deep listen. We need to deep listen to our hearts. We need to deep listen to the, to the pictures our imaginations create. We need to deep listen to, to nature, to life and to each other. And, and hear, notice what we hear. And be brave enough to follow these journeys. They will bring us to confrontations. And they'll bring us to many different things, but ultimately... I don't, I don't see there's much choice. And lastly, there will be people listening, probably, I guess, who feel that their circumstances are so challenging and difficult that they, do, they have very few options. And I understand that. And that is part of the injustice of the society in which we live. But there are, it is true, I believe, that there are, if you take two people ex, ex, experiencing and enduring the same truly difficult circumstances, one may well find a way of somehow maintaining the, the, their, their integrity and their bright spirit. And one collapses into the arms of the victim and there, in feeling sorry for themselves, find some level of comfort and therefore can never move. All of us, myself certainly included, have been in that kind of place, but we in the end have to say, I have to make those steps. So, you know, it's a big, big journey. Mm, it's such but an adventure. It is, <laughs> you know, isn't it? It's exciting. If you, treat, if you just see it that way, you say, wow. Okay, I always wanted that. Now I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's turn the next page. Yes. I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's amazing. He, incredible words as ever, Mac. You know, and um, for listeners, you know, there's Mac's got talks online and, you know, and actually there's a book <clears throat> uh, called The Children's Fire, actually, that Mac wrote uh, a while back that is on audio um, as well, isn't it? And, um, and it was a book I read, <clears throat> which really, really resonated. And um, uh, we won't, we haven't got the time to go into the children's find out right now, but it's definitely worth a, a read. Um, uh, I, I definitely would highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people find out more about the work that you do, Mac? Well, there are two websites. One is macmccartney.com. And the other is uh, embercombe.org. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm gradually uh, reducing my, my sort of social media <laughs> presence because I just can't do it anymore. Um, um, but I, um, I'm not difficult to find, and embercombe is not difficult to find. And uh, who knows, I might be at Boomtown. Yeah, this year. So. Oh, oh well, that, well, that's a really good point to make. Actually, yeah, we are in the process of writing the uh, the big opening ceremonies for everyone to experience on the Friday 
uh, Boomtown and you know, Mac has been uh, hugely part of that. Uh, sowing those seeds as we come out of, um, of this pandemic and we connect and we dance together for the first time. So uh, really excited um, about that whole project there and, um, and where this can go in the future. So thank you so much, Mac, as ever. Really thank appreciate you. it. I'm really delighted to be part of this. This is wonderful. And thank you, Angel. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you very much.